Hey guys, welcome to another podcast. Today I'm here with Trent and Michael, and we're going to speak about spiritual warfare. So we know that we face a lot of challenges in this life with Christ, and with no doubt, spiritual fights are one of the most common problems that we face here. But many people tend to believe in wrong ideas about this subject. So in this podcast, we want to chat about what is a real spiritual warfare and how in Jesus we can overcome the spiritual fights we might have in this side of heaven. I'm Pedro, and before we start, it's important to note that in no way we approve uh, any sexual contact with children. And we also believe that their sexuality belongs to them and to God, and we have no part in it. É, e também nós queremos lembrar que o site já se encontra em português, então se qualquer um de vocês precisar de ajuda nessa língua, você pode pedir e nós estaremos aqui para ajudar vocês. So, let's begin it. Thanks, Pedro. And for anybody listening, that was some Portuguese from Pedro. He's reaching out to those in his own country. Yeah, we're talking about spiritual warfare. And just to put it in perspective, previously we've talked about how pedophilia is a biological condition, something that we experience in the brokenness of this world, and the Lord helps us to have victory over any of the challenges we face. In addition, pedophilia can be a sin, when we choose to act on the temptations we feel. And a third challenge we face is the devil, who looks for opportunities. Like it says in the gospel, when the devil tempted Jesus, the devil looks for an opportune time. And so in this life struggle, those are our three major challenges, our biological brokenness, the condition itself, the struggle with sin and our vulnerability to temptation, and then also an active adversary, the devil. So in this podcast, we're focusing on the third, the devil. So Trent, tell us a little bit more. Sure. Well, my interest in this topic really came when I was a kid. I used to see these shadow figures. It's like a shadow standing up, like the outline of a person. And that really frightened me as a kid. And when I went to see my pastor, my pastor just said, oh, you don't have to worry about about that we're safe in Jesus, you know, his blood has forgiven all of our sins and so on. But that kind of answer wasn't satisfactory to me at all. And so I guess there's one side where it can really seem like you're really dismissing a lot of the spiritual warfare. But then there's also the other side where it's like you can really be obsessed with spirits and demons and everything has a demon in it, that tree has a demon in it, that rock has a demon in it. And so for us, it's really important that we stand firm in God's word and approach everything from a biblical perspective. Because essentially, we know that our enemy is a liar and his main weapon of warfare is deception. And he's going to try and deceive us in any way that he can. This is so relevant for the topic of pedophilia because, I mean, I've been through that situation where I've been thinking to myself, maybe I do need to um, see some kind of exorcist and get some kind of demons cast out of me. And when I was thinking like that, it was just a really confusing time. Like when I was super depressed, it was just really hard for me to see straight. But recently, God's led me to some really, really good passages. And one of them 
is Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, where it says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now that's such an important verse because it's not like we're still in the dominion of darkness. It's not as if, you know, Satan has still got his claws wrapped around our soul. We, we aren't a part of this, like, football game type thing where it's, you know, Team Jesus versus Team Satan. No, it's like we've been completely removed and we're brought completely into the kingdom of Christ Jesus. And I'm just thinking, because there's this thing called dominion theology. In this teaching, like, it's false teaching, and they basically say that through unbelief that the church is still in the dominion of Satan, and so we need to fight against the powers of darkness through prayer and exorcisms and all this spiritual hocus-pocus to win back the world so that Jesus can come back again. And this is just absolutely bogus. I mean, Psalm 24.1 tells us, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all those who dwell therein. God is 100% in control of his world. It's not like he has to wrestle back from Satan the control. So the devil has too much names according with the Bible, and it's important for us to know each one of them so we can know who he is and be aware. In the first place, the Bible says that the devil is a thief. And it's written that the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And that's what the devil does. The Bible also says that the devil is a deceiver. For it's written that, for there is no truth in him. So when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar. And he is the father of lies. Also, the Bible says that the devil is a murderer. The Bible says that he was a murderer from the beginning. Also, he's a tempter, for it's written that the tempter came to Jesus when Jesus was fasting on that desert. Also, the Bible says that he's an accuser, because it's written that he is the accuser of the brethren. Also, the Bible says that the devil is an adversary. Our adversary is the devil. Also, he's a devouring lion. Bible says that the devil prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. In the last place, the Bible says that the devil is the ruler of this world. He's always testing us and trying to make us stop. And this is his work. He has each one of these characteristics. Right. So the Bible's clear that the devil is... All these things, a thief, a murderer, a tempter, accuser, adversary, devouring lion. And also, like Trent said, it's not a weird hocus-pocus thing, the devil behind every toy, or weird little thing. But still, Paul says in Ephesians 6.12 that our struggle is not against other people, really. It's against the devil. So a question is then, okay... How do you know when the devil is attacking you? When it feels like there's just this extra pressure against you, like you don't even know where it's from. Maybe it's fear or anxiety. It could be shame or self-hate 
or even lust like temptation but the point is it just knocks you down and it doesn't make sense like maybe today it's just dicking you in the gut you just don't even know why you're struggling so intensely in one area or the other usually in those cases it could be the devil looking to get you the devil acts like a bully on a playground really can't do you in because your father god he's there but the devil can really bully you so oftentimes the lord will step in the holy spirit will speak to your heart and you, you just know something's not right i remember when i was a kid just so scared aware of the presence of evil and even more recently, I remember a couple of weeks ago when I was going through a neighborhood and I, I saw a kid and I was gripped with inappropriate feelings like, oh my goodness, this is not just me. So I don't know about you guys. Do you have a, a time where you really knew this was not just normal life? The devil was actually coming after you. Yeah, there was one time that was when i received that false accusation that i've spoken about on our last podcast man my initial gut reaction was to go there's no way that my luck is this bad like there's no way and just it felt like i could really see that there was a hand behind this you know to be honest it just made me run to jesus all the more um so even though it was something that was bad God was able to turn it around for good and to help me to just grow in my faith through that experience. Yeah. Yeah. There was also a time in which there's a night uh, I never forget because this mark in my life forever. I was very, very sad because I was facing a problem in my home. And in that day, the devil came and he started to tempt me to come back to my life without Jesus. He was like, you know, your life with Jesus is so bad. Look what you're facing. You should just, you know, leave the church and leave your faith and just leave whatever you want to leave. Stop suffering for Christ's case. You should just do your whatever you want to do your will. And this night marked my life because I decided to keep on the side of Jesus. I decided to keep with Jesus and I never forget how how tempted I was that night. He was truly, truly tempting me. So in the face of all of this stuff, I'm just so glad to know that God gives us the tools and the equipment that we need to fight off all of these temptations. He tells us in Ephesians 6 to stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around our waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so God doesn't just let us out there in the battle on our own. Like he gives us this spiritual armor and I used to think that there was something kind of hocus-pocus about this, but really, if you just have a look at it, each piece is just part of the gospel. I mean, you've got the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, which is Christ Jesus, the feet ready with the gospel, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. 
And so it's like, how do we face up against our enemy? Well, it's just standing firm in the gospel. And that's it. This is the only protection that we have, essentially. And I find that when Satan isn't trying to tempt you to sin, he's always tempting you to shift away from the gospel, to start believing in another gospel or making additions to the gospel, like Jesus plus stuff like pop psychology. And I think Paul's just warning about all of this, just to stand in the gospel, to know that God loves us, to know that we are saved by Jesus' blood, that we are not saved through any good things that we do, but 100% completely saved through Jesus Christ. Trent, you're quoting there James 4, 7, which is stand firm, resist the devil, and he must flee. That puts it in an interesting context. It's like, okay, so Jesus won this battle against the devil, but there is a sense where we are to stand firm on the promises of God, that he's our deliverer, that he's our healer, he's our victory in the fight with pedophilia. There's an example that Paul draws on with the Israelites, right? So the Israelites came out of slavery in Egypt, which is kind of an analogy to slavery to sin. So they embark on a new life and they need to go to the promised land. But the promised land is inhabited by adversaries, giants even. And God says, hey, this is the land I have for you. And so the Israelites are to conquer this land bit by bit. And whenever they take a new piece of land and occupy it, then that part of the promise becomes theirs. So in the same way, kind of like the examples we described of when the devil was attacking us, like Pedro talking about where the devil tempted him to leave his faith in God. In those instances, we have the opportunity to just simply stand on the promise of God. And that's where the armor of God that Trent was describing comes into play. So I might use my faith like a shield. Like, no, no, it doesn't matter what the devil's whispering to me. I stand on faith that God is who he says he is. And we don't get cracked in the head because we know we have salvation, that we're saved, and that's a done deal. And it's like a helmet protecting us. And so all those pieces of armor are like an analogy for us to stand on those promises of God. And the promise is that when we put up resistance to the devil, when we say no to his temptation, the promise is that he has to flee. When the devil sees us standing on the promises of God, he sees Jesus' victory in us, and he's got to back up. And in Revelations 12, 11, it kind of gives a culminating scripture, like here's the end of the story. Speaking of Christians, they overcame the devil by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Meaning, everything that Jesus did on the cross, that gives the power and the authority to overcome the devil. And then also the word of our testimony, which is our faith in action. So when Trent decided to run to Jesus when the false accusations came against him, and when Pedro decided to hold on to Jesus when the devil was tempting him to run away, that was their faith in action, and that's the word of their testimony, their story. So it's in that victory that Jesus won for us. When we hold that ground, that's when we're resisting the devil. And it's important to point out, Paul says, we also wield the sword of the Spirit. 
like a weapon in a way. And Jesus did that too. So when the devil tempted Jesus, Jesus spoke God's word. Like something about when you speak God's word, you're claiming it for yourself, you're standing on faith, and the devil has to flee. God has always had power in his word. He created the world with a word. So when you feel yourself being attacked by the devil, declare the promise of God. You gotta know it in scripture. Might be, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ, so I'm not gonna cave to that temptation. I might claim the promise, Jesus said he'll never leave me nor forsake me, or he'll never cast me out. So when the devil tries to make me feel like uh, he's going to whip me up and make a mess of my life, Jesus said he won't leave us as prey to the enemy's teeth. Um, he always leads us to victory. And also, we need to remember that our battle is God's battle. There's a worship that says that the battle is the Lord's. And there are some verses that comfort us. The first one is in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. It says, This is why the Son of God was revealed, to destroy the works of the devil. Also in Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, it says that he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Also in 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, it's written that, Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So we always need to remember that our battle is also the battle of the Lord. And there's another worship that I keep reminding in which it says that not for a minute was I forsaken. We should always remember that. God never forsakes us and he never leaves us. And even when we are facing spiritual warfare, he's still with us and he's going to help us to find a way through these battles. And he's surely going to help us to win all the battles that we fight in this side of heaven. Yes. And isn't it just so great that we have a God who loves us, who equips us and strengthens us by his grace so that we're not left helpless and alone. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of our podcast. And if you're really struggling at the moment and you'd like to reach out to us, you can send an email to support at christianpedophile.com. That's support at christianpedophile.com. If you've been interested in this topic of spiritual warfare and you'd like to know more, one of the guys that I researched for writing my section of this episode is a guy called Bob Dway. That's B-O-B-D-E-W-A-A-Y. And you can check out his critical issues commentary. All of it is online. And I found it very helpful for myself. Well, I think that's all for today. We'll see you guys on the next episode. Stay safe and God bless. Bye. Bye. Bye.